Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Emily. And thanks so much for tuning in today. Absolutely. And if this is your first time with us at New City Online, we just want to say a huge welcome and thank you for joining us. We want you to be part of what we have going on here at New City. And so that is not just on Sundays. We are all over the city all over the week. And so we've got community groups that are meeting online, in person, serve that's happening all over the city. And we want you to get plugged in and connected to that. So you can go to newcity.us connect, fill out a card there with your information and Ron will be in touch with you this week. We would love to get you plugged in. That's right. And you know, one of my favorite verses about generosity is found in Matthew chapter six. It's where Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, don't store up your treasures on earth, but store them up in heaven, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I know for me, that verse is constantly convicting me because it's so easy for us to get swept up in storing up our treasures here on earth. What we want to invite you to do is to continue to invest in a heavenly treasure. One of the easiest ways to do that is to support the work and ministry here at New City Church. We're bringing gospel renewal not only here in the city of Charlotte, but around the world. You can do that by going to newcity.us give. Absolutely. And we are so excited to have Stuart with us to worship today. So if you will, stand where you are and join. Well, welcome to New City Online. We're so glad you're here with us. Let's sing and worship together. Hey! 
we thank you that you are the God who's with us who is for us and we give all that we have and all that we are to worship you to adore you and to lift you up and we pray all this in Jesus name Amen Today we'll be continuing our series, Stories Jesus Told, with a look at the parable of the divided kingdom from Matthew 12. So go ahead and turn there in your Bible or the New City app as you have time. Pastor Rodney will be preaching today, and if you'd like to go further with this sermon, I'd invite you to check out our sermon study guide questions on the app. These questions are designed to help you take what you've heard today and begin to apply it to your life. Now here's Rodney with part four of Stories Jesus Told. The story Jesus told is found in Matthew chapter 12, verses 24 through 30. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Hello, and thank you for joining us today for New City Online. I'm Rodney, the South Park pastor, and it is always a pleasure for me to be with you all in this way. Well, today we'll be continuing our series, Stories Jesus Told. 
where we're looking at the parables that Jesus told in the book of Matthew. Today, we'll look at Matthew chapter 12, and we'll look at the parables of the divided kingdom and the strong man. But before we do, let's invite God into our time together. God in heaven, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your love, for your grace that ever abounds towards us. Thank you for this space of grace, God, this opportunity to sit at your feet and to learn of you. We pray now, God, that you would drive out anything in our midst, in this atmosphere, that would cause division in our hearts, that would distract us, that would keep us from hearing from you. Then, God, we pray that you would give us receptive hearts, give us the faith to live out the things that you teach us today. So we thank you for the space of grace, for this moment. Be glorified in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think most of us would agree that the last year has been both different and difficult, to say the least. But for me personally, the pandemic over the last year exposed something in me that I didn't even know was there. It exposed just how much I trusted in routine and structure. It exposed how much I trusted in the predictability of what I could reasonably expect through the patterns of my life and leadership. Because what was once so predictable and certain to a degree was suddenly very different. And honestly, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. People wanted answers. People wanted details. I wanted answers. I wanted details. How do I live? How do I lead through this? The pandemic exposed just how much I trusted in routines and structure, just how much these things had me bound. Now, don't get me wrong. Routines and structure certainly have their place. But it was different for me. It was bigger than that. See, what was exposed in me was a stronghold in my life division in my heart. While the answers to the questions that I had were unanswered and that was scary, I realized that God was and is calling me to trust him, to choose him in ways that I hadn't before. And he's doing that by exposing the stronghold of control in my life. Now, I'll be honest. You know, I'm not, I don't consider myself the typical control freak. No offense to anybody. But this was difficult for me to wrap my head around until I looked at Paul's usage of the word stronghold in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Let's look at what he says. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse 5, he says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, the word stronghold in the Greek is akoroma. It means anything in which one relies. Anything in which one relies. And for me, that was the control I had in my life through the routines and structure 
that I put in place. But Paul goes on in verse 5 to elaborate on the, on the, the meaning when he says, arguments and every lofty opinion that is raised, the other versions say exalted, against the knowledge of Christ. Any mindset, any thoughts, any opinions that keep you and I from developing a deeper, more intimate relationship with Christ. So for me, the reality of the past year has been twofold. One, that yes, there, is, there was a stronghold in my life that's causing division. And then two, I have a choice to make. Because here's the truth. Though the world had changed, Christ didn't. And so the last year, though it has been different, difficult, and scary, God has been calling me to trust him in new and in fresh ways because he's the only one that knows the end from the beginning, right? But as I processed this, I had a thought. And that thought is, maybe, maybe I'm not alone in this. Maybe, maybe the pandemic has exposed something in you. Maybe a stronghold, maybe division in your heart, division in your life. If that's you, here's some good news that trusting God over the last year has been teaching me. And that is that the strength of the king is greater than the strongholds of the enemy. Let me show you this in scripture. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 12. We'll look at verses 22 through 30. It should also be preloaded for you on the New City app along with the sermon outline. Matthew chapter number 12, we'll look at verses 22 through 30. While you're making your way there, let me give you just a little bit of context to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 highlights five instances of opposition coming to Jesus through the hostility of the religious leaders and the apathy of the Jewish people. And this opposition to Jesus comes to a head in Matthew chapter 12, verse 14, when after the religious leader saw that Jesus had healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, the scripture says that they went out and conspired against him how they might destroy him. Verse 15 says that Jesus, being aware of this, withdrew from there. Let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. The word of God to you. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Let's pause for a second right there. So the context of this passage is both deliverance and division. Jesus has just healed a man, as we just read, that was blind and mute. The man had a physical problem that had a spiritual root. And the response to this was divided. Some said, could this be the son of David, the Messiah we've been waiting on? But the Pharisees attributed the works that Jesus had done to Satan. So the division was over who he was. Was he king or was he a counterfeit? Now, the Pharisees' position was not an issue of insufficient evidence. 
They had seen Jesus do uh, many mighty works and miracles before, but rather their position was an issue or an indication of the abundance of the stubbornness in their heart. And so Jesus uses a parable in verses 25 and 26 to communicate his position. Let's look at it together. Verse 25 reads, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? How will his kingdom stand? So Jesus then in verse 27 asked the question, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by who do your sons cast them out? See, Jesus was exposing that the Pharisees' accusation against him was both inconsistent and illogical. How could they attribute his works to the power of Satan and not do the same with their own sons? I love what Spurgeon says when he explains the Pharisees' position there. He says, envy causes persons often to condemn in one what they approve in another. So Jesus is essentially saying that it makes no sense for Satan to cast out Satan. If he did that, then his kingdom would be divided. I love when I read in another commentary, it said, Satan may be wicked, but he's no fool. So Jesus uses the parable of the divided kingdom to communicate that not only was he not in league with Satan, but he was in opposition to Satan. But then I love this in verse 28, We'll look at it in a second. Before he uses another parable to clarify what the people just witnessed in the miracle, and that was his power over Satan, Jesus declares the purpose for it all, the purpose for everything that you just saw. And that was to reveal both his identity and his authority. His identity and his authority. Let's look at verse number 28 together. It reads, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Now watch this. Jesus is saying, if the kingdom of God has come upon you, then the king is among you. In other words, the evidence of the arrival of the kingdom of God was his presence and his power what the people just witnessed. But now get this, they couldn't receive the kingdom because they didn't recognize the king. I wonder how many of us are having an issue with receiving the works of God because we don't recognize his hand, his work, and his move in our life. But then Jesus goes on in verse 29 to use another parable. Now I want to lean into this for a few minutes because this parable the second parable gives three realities that you and I need to be aware of. Now, remember, Jesus used everyday stories to communicate eternal truths. Jesus used everyday stories, starting with our reality, so that we could step into God's reality. Let's look at verse number 29. Jesus says, or how can, a, how can someone 
enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man. Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. So the first reality I want to mention here that this parable talks about is that there is a strong man. There is a strong man, a strong man that is the source of division. The enemy or the strong man is referred to in 2 Corinthians 10.10 as the God of this world. Other, trans, other, other verses in scripture refer to him as the ruler of this world, the source of division. Luke's account of this parable, he refers to the strong man as fully armed, fully armed. In other words, he's telling us that he uses both strategies and strongholds to oppress God's people. Strategies and strongholds. Let me explain what I mean. Strategies include attacking our minds, using deception, and normalizing sin. You ever notice that, that, that sin has become more and more normal lately? Well, that's a strategy of the enemy. We know that strongholds often include things like pride, control that I mentioned a few minutes ago, selfishness, greed. Strongholds can be most easily understood as any place, any weakness, any bad habit, any mindset that Satan uses to keep a hold on us. But listen, whether it's a strategy or whether it's a stronghold, the enemy's desire is to get you and I to miss the goodness of God, to keep us from living out God's plan for our lives. You may remember, you may remember John 10.10 10 refers to the strong man or the thief, the strong man as a thief rather, that comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter 5.8 says that this, the strong man or the enemy is, is walking around seeking someone to devour, seeking a heart, seeking a home, seeking a life to bring division into. So this first reality that this parable talks about is that, yes, there is a strong man, and he is the source of all division. But the second reality that I want to talk through that this parable speaks of is that though there is a strong man, there's a stronger man, as Luke's account refers to him as. A strong man, a savior that has dominion. And so Jesus is saying in this parable that only a stronger person can bind the strong man or the homeowner and ransack his house. Again, clarifying what the people just witnessed in the miracle. The people had just witnessed the stronger man binding the strong man. Not to mention that this miracle was a part of the fulfillment of the prophecy spoken of in Isaiah 49, verses 24 and 25, let's look at it. It says, can the prey be taken from the mighty or the captive of a tyrant rescued? For thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken and the prey of the tyrant be rescued. For I will contend with those who contend with you. That's good news and I will save your children. This is what the people just witnessed. 
this is what they just saw. They just saw a man who was oppressed, who was bound, who was captive by the strong man, who was captive by the enemy. They just saw him being set free. They just witnessed this. So the second reality is that there's a strong man that wants to set you and I free. In Matthew 28, 18, as Jesus commissioned his disciples, he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, has been given to me. He was demonstrating that here. Plain and simple, the second reality that we're talking through in this parable reminds us that King Jesus, the stronger man, has the power to deliver any of us, all of us, from any and every stronghold that has us bound, from anything that has us bound. In fact, 1 John 3.8 says in part, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason he appeared was to do what he just did in Matthew 12, verses 22 to 30. There's the reason why he appeared. And I submit to you that he wants to do the same thing in your life as he's doing it in my life. So yes, reality one is that there is a strong man. But reality two is that though there's a strong man that's the source of the vision, there's a stronger man, a savior that has dominion. But the third reality that I want to talk through is in verse 30. And that's the choice that you and I have. Let's look at verse 30 together. Verse 30 says, whoever is not with me, Jesus speaking, is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now, this is important for you and I. In other words, Jesus is saying that there's a decision that all of us must make. Jesus is challenging everybody that's witnessing this. He's challenging the crowd. He's challenging the Pharisees to consider whether they are for or against him. He removes illusions about any neutral response to him or his work. It was simple. If you're not with him, then you are against him. None of us can avoid this decision. None of us can avoid a decision about Christ. But hear this, not to decide is to decide. But I want you to notice here that Jesus uses words like gather and scatter, both which are verbs, to describe the two options. In other words, he's saying that people, the crowd, the Pharisees, you and I, are either actively pursuing and promoting his kingdom, or we're actively doing the opposite. So we're either on his side, or we are against him. But, but, but listen, the principle of choice is all throughout scripture. The principle of choice is all throughout scripture. You may remember in 1 Kings 18, 21, when Elijah challenged the people, he said to them, he said, how long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is real, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. Make up your minds, he said. Revelation 3.16, this is a popular verse. It says, because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So God is calling you and I to make a choice. I believe that this is why Matthew 6.33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of what? 
God and his righteousness. In other words, the scripture is admonishing you and I to choose to make King Jesus the stronger man and God's kingdom a priority in our lives. Why? Because there's a strong man that's seeking to establish his kingdom also. Listen, the truth is that many of us live in between the tension of these two kingdoms. We live in the in-between, up one day, down the next. Following God hard two weeks, falling off for three weeks. And maybe that's because we've allowed the world, the culture, even our feelings to do the choosing for us. And as Christ followers, listen, we, we are called not just to represent God's kingdom, but to advance God's kingdom. And division gets in the way of our efforts. Division destroys what we're trying to do, whether it's division in our hearts, division in our homes, division in our communities, division in our churches, division on our teams, in our workplaces. Division is keeping you and I from advancing the kingdom of God. So Jesus, though there's a strong man, and he's the stronger man, he's calling you and I to make a choice, a choice to live in freedom, a choice to walk and live in unity. Look at what John Maxwell says here about unity. He says, we don't lack resources, we lack togetherness. We don't lack resources, we lack togetherness. Listen, the reality is that there is a strong man there is a strong man who is a source of division. He's all about division and bondage. But there's also a stronger man who's all about unity and freedom. But the choice belongs to you and me. The choice is ours. So for me, again, though the last year and everything that's gone on in the world has been different, it's been difficult, it's been scary, sure it's been some of the same things for you. Not only did it expose a stronghold in my life, it presented an opportunity, an opportunity for me to choose to trust the stronger man, King Jesus, in new ways, fresh ways. It presented an opportunity for me to choose to allow him to tear down the strongholds of division in my life and in my heart. And so I'm not sure what it is for you. Maybe the choice that God is calling you to today is for you to give your life to him and begin a relationship with him. Or maybe you're like me and the choice that God is calling you to may not be a relationship. Maybe he's calling you to choose to allow him to rule in your heart. Listen, here's what I know, that God loves you that God has a plan for your life. And those are, though there's a strong man that causes division, that wreaks havoc, you and I can be encouraged that the strong man has come to not only help us to unify and advance his kingdom, but to help you and I to live and walk in freedom. And so I want you to be encouraged because I believe that God's desire is for all of us 
to experience the strength of the king that is greater than the strongholds of the enemy. Be encouraged. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we just love you so much. We bless you and we honor you for reminding us today that though there is a strong man, that you are the stronger man. And that it is not your will that our hearts, that our homes, that our churches, our workplaces, our communities be divided, but that you have called us to choose unity. But you didn't leave us to choose it alone. You help us to make this choice moment by moment. And that your desire is that we live free from strongholds, free from division. That we not just represent your kingdom, but that we advance your kingdom. So we pray, God, today that as we continue to live and move and do your work, that you will continue to remind us of both your presence and your power in our lives. And that the spaces where we live and work don't have to be divided, but that we can in fact trust in the strength of the king that is greater than any stronghold in our life. So we commit to trust you. We commit to choose you, whether it's a relationship or whether it's rule in our hearts. We commit it to you now, and we ask that you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. much for worshiping with us today, New City family. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City.